Hello, and welcome to Cross Point Church's podcast. We are here to reveal God in everyday ways that help people like you. Whether you are a Christian or not, we believe that God is not far from any one of us, and He wants to be found. You don't have to look a certain way or have it all together to become one of us. We don't have it all together either. But we do have hope in the one who does. Jesus loved everyone, no matter who they were or what they had done. We want to be just like that. If you want to connect with us, just stay after the message. We'll tell you how. This is your first time visiting our church. Uh, You know that we're going through a special season. And uh, so we're addressing topics and keeping with that special season that we're in. Now, let me just say that uh, some, some great things have happened since last Sunday. Uh, and we're very thankful for those things in relation to Dave and Vicki. So I want to encourage you to keep praying. Just keep praying. You know, don't go by what you see with your eyes. <laughs> Walk by faith and pray by faith. And uh, God will hear our prayers and he will answer them because he says he will. So let's trust him in that regard. Uh, last week, Pastor Andrew talked about the joy of spiritual disciplines. And I hope you caught that key word because when you, when you talk about discipline and then you bring in the word joy, that's a necessary uh, offset, right? Because we don't typically combine those two concepts. But there is a joy through our discipline, and our disciplines help us get closer to the Lord, and that's where we need to be. I was especially ministered to by his last point on confession. Like what, what a necessary thing, both for me individually and for our church corporately, to be confessing before the Lord our sins constantly, continually, because we're sinners, right? And what we do, and what we do well, is sin. So... We have an advocate, advocate, though, with the Father so that when we do sin, we can come to the Father and we can confess our sins. So that was a really, really good thing uh, in my mind. Uh, two weeks ago, I spoke on restoration. Uh, specifically, we looked at Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. And there Paul tells us that we would or should restore a believer who's fallen into a transgression. He also says to those of us doing the restoring, that we should keep watch on ourselves lest we too be tempted. So what I want to do today and also next week is I want to kind of take my lead from that last part. We should watch ourselves lest we too be tempted and talk about temptation. Um, Today I want to talk about understanding temptation And then next week, I want to talk about resisting temptation or overcoming temptation. So two weeks together. I hope you can bear it. Now, didn't you get like an insert with a place to write notes on? All right, there you go. So we're going to read from James chapter 1. So if you don't want to turn in your Bibles... To James chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 12 through 15. We'll also have it on the screen here. By the way, I don't know if you're like me, but, you know, I have a hard time reading these uh, words sometimes. And I think about you folks in the back. So I do try to use a larger font. So without creating too many slides, just so you know, I think about you back row people. You're you're part of us, too. 
Okay, so James 1, 12 to 15. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Now that verse I'm going to reserve for next week. Uh, 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Please pray with me. So pray in your hearts as I pray. Father, um, we look to you. We love your word. Your word is life to us. It's light. Uh, your word is salvation. It's because your word leads us to you, our Savior. So work in us, Lord. We, we are hard-hearted. We're hard-headed. We are blind. <laughs> We're insensitive. So we need your help. We need your Holy Spirit to break through and cause us to want you and, and, and what you ask of us more than anything in this world. And do that even now, today, Father, in your name. Amen. Um, so first, I just want to ask the question, what is temptation? Um, and before I attempt to get at that answer, I want to say, say two things first, and that is, uh, just to be clear, temptation is not sin. So notice the order that James gives in verses uh, uh, 14 and 15. Uh, a person is tempted first when they're lured and enticed, and then desire when it has conceived, then it gives birth to sin, and then there's this progression to a place of death or, or destruction. So so temptation is, is not sin. Sometimes it can feel, well, it does, it feels sinful. So we can classify it as sin, but it's not sin. Being tempted is not crossing the line into sin. It's really close. You know, there's a thin red line, right? And it doesn't take much to get over into sin from temptation, but it's not sin. And then another thing is not all temptation is obvious. Um, the... Temptation or the enticement can be very subtle. Go ahead, Tammy, and throw up that picture. Um, <laughs> temptation is not always as obvious as this. Now, I don't, I don't always do. I told Tammy to take that picture down quickly. Thank you, Tammy. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really do this. I used to, but not so much anymore. I, just, I, I trust the Lord now. But I used to look for confirmations, like, God, is this what you want me to preach on this week? Show me a sign, you know, just, just a little something. That way I can have confidence. I don't do that anymore. But sometimes God will still just do that. And so I was actually getting off of that exit. This was Thursday, and I was going to do a job down Greenfield, and I'm stopped at the light waiting to turn left, and I look over and I go, this is the oddest confirmation I've ever had. I, and so I took my phone out, and I'm like, i got to show it to everybody. 
Temptation is not always that obvious. Um, it can be subtle. So here's a helpful analogy for you. Um, I'm sure you've heard of these terms. In my line of work, we, we uh, talk about these, these things, acute and chronic illness. There can be, in, in my line of work, acute and chronic exposure to chemicals. Well, you're familiar with those terms, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, acute illnesses bear obvious symptoms in their short term. So the common cold, as an example, is an acute illness. Uh, you can have acute bronchitis, the doctor may say to you. That means it's short term. They can cure it. They can fix you and uh, send you on your way. And the symptoms are pretty obvious. But when it comes to chronic illness, there, those situations are not so obvious, right? And they're long term. You could have heart disease and not even know it. Now, again, typically you can cure acute illnesses, but there is no cure for chronic illnesses. That's, that's why they're chronic. Chronic, by the way, Greek word for time, chronos, chronic. Um, it's more about disease management. So, so the analogy that, that I'm considering today is that most of us think about temptation in acute terms, right? It's, it's something that happens um, in a short, intense manner. You know, all of a sudden we're, we're in this place and we're being pulled in a direction that is opposite of what we know we should do, right? All of a sudden there's, there's this intense tug in the opposite direction and, and now we're, we're into a place where we're considering doing something we maybe wouldn't ever do. Uh, biblically speaking is you know you know the word of God and what God requires of you what God asks you to do and how you should serve him and live for him but now all of a sudden something has been presented to you and and you know it's wrong and and you're considering crossing the line so that's how we tend to think of temptation it's it's obvious it's clear and there's examples of this kind of temptation in the Bible. Uh, immediately, right, you start reading the Bible, you come to chapter 3, and there you are with, with Adam and Eve in the garden by the tree of good and evil, and they're there with Satan himself in the form of a serpent, and Satan is tempting them, right? So, so it's, a, it's a moment, it's a short term. It's happening right before your eyes. And then there's Moses. Moses was tempted with the riches of Egypt, but he chose not to succumb. There's uh, David with Bathsheba. There's Solomon. Now Solomon, I like, he, he like faced temptations of every kind. If you read about his life. There's Samson. Wine, women, and song, you could say. There's Joseph. Now one of the most shining examples of victory over temptation is Joseph. And it's an amazing thing how he escaped the advances of Potiphar's wife. There's Peter saving his own skin. There's Judas because, because of money and power. And then there's, there's Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way, in all points like as we are, yet 
without sin. Each one of us inherently knows what it means to be tempted in this acute way. And that's usually where we focus our efforts in dealing with temptation. Simply summarized by, don't do that. (laughs) Stop it. Don't go there. Get back. Run the opposite direction. But we need to understand temptation, I think, in more chronic terms. That's something that's akin to your nature. So in this sense, temptation is something that is always present. It's it's always there, and really, there's no cure for it, at least not yet, not till the trumpet sounds. You know, the Bible describes us in this way. You have two natures. You have your human nature, and then you have your spirit nature if you're a believer in Jesus. When you become a believer in Jesus, you get a new nature, a new man, right? And a whole new set of desires. But in and of yourself, without Jesus, you're stuck with your one nature, the nature that you were born with, which is sinful and has its own set of desires. And while that nature has been crucified, Romans 6, crucified with Jesus, we know that it has not been expunged yet from our existence, from our consciousness. That will not happen again until Christ returns. And what a glorious day that's going to be. When, when that struggle with sin is no longer present, what an incredible day that's going to be. But, but that sin nature that has been cru- crucified but not yet expunged from you, it can flare up at times, right? Do, do, can we testify to that, that while you're a believer, it can still flare up? And it can rise up, so to speak, out of the casket and kind of start leading you around. Now, it's not, it's not powerful, I mean, all the power has been drained out of our old nature by Christ, but yet we can give it a certain kind of power when we enable it to lead us around. Um, That that sin nature is always present. It's always kind of there in the background. It's always lurking. We're always contending with it. Um, Paul talks about in Galatians 5 the struggle that we have with our sin nature. And so I think a lot of times what happens is there's this subtle kind of temptation that's going on in the background. And, and a lot of it we don't even realize. We don't even realize. Like we've, we've kind of succumbed to it. In other words, we've, we maybe crossed the line one day and we're well past that line and now it's just so automatic. We don't even think in terms of being tempted. Right? It's just boom, boom, boom. And so we have this lifestyle that we were once tempted to pursue that we're in pursuit of. This is how I think that uh, we can have train wrecks sometimes and not see them coming, right? 
We've been living in this sort of way, subject to our sin nature, not really trying to walk in the Spirit, but, but the sin nature's kind of been just leading us along and controlling us, and we're just going with it, you know, day to day. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, it seems, there's a train wreck in our lives, morally speaking. And we're like, where did this come from? Well, well, you've been being groomed all along, in essence. Things have been going on just beneath the surface that you weren't aware of, and, and here you are. You didn't see it coming. No wonder the Bible talks about being vigilant, being awake, being sober-minded, right? Because once again, Galatians 5, be careful, be careful, because you too can be tempted so that's a, a bit of awakening that the scriptures offer. I remember, I don't know if I told you this story, but uh, I think there's a, an analogy that can be drawn here. Um, I went to see the dental hy- hygienist, hygienist, sorry, hygiene. It is about hygiene. Uh, so anyway, at some point in this, in this experience, she says to me, uh, do you grind? I'm like, No. Grind? Not one of those people. <laughs> so after a few seconds, though, I thought, why did she ask me that? And then I said to her, do you think I grind? And she goes, yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't grind. What are you talking about? But she saw the signs, right? I'm a grinder. Great. So this really bothered me. <laughs> All right. Because I, I could not consciously connect with the fact that I do it. Now, a lot of people do it in their sleep, right? But they, they still kind of have this sense that they do it. I think they wake up at times and they're <laughs> grinding. Oh, I grind. <laughs> but I never, I've never had that. <laughs> so anyway, check this out. I was driving one day, going about my business, like 2 in the afternoon. And all of a sudden, I catch myself grinding. I was like totally floored. I'm like, what is this? In the middle of the day, in in the broad light, I'm not asleep. I'm grinding. And here I am as old as I am, and I didn't know this. It's just shocking. Well, trust me, you're doing things in your life. You don't know, right? Like, you got stuff like that going on too. But my point is this. There's a lot of stuff that happens beneath the surface spiritually that we're just not tuned into. Now, next week, I want to talk about the importance of the Word of God in relation to shining the light on our lives. But just know right now that there's a lot of subcurrent. Like, you never stop thinking, right? Right? Do you know who Rene Descartes is? Some of you philosophers. What did he say? Cogito ergo sum, which means I think, therefore I am. Basically, he's saying I'm always thinking. Well, if that's true, then what are you thinking? What, what, what's going on? Chronic temptation. This chronic tug and this chronic pull, and I'll talk more about it in point number two here, which is where does temptation come from? 
Well, James once again says that, that it comes from our desires. But let me say this first. He, he says this. He says, uh, hey, just so you know, God doesn't tempt anybody. Like, he can't be tempted and he doesn't tempt anybody. So my question when I see that is, and I, you know, I read all of chapter 1, and I get to that, and I've done this before with, with this set of verses. I'm, I'm like, why does he say that? I mean, it just seems so odd and random. And out of like, hey, by the way, God doesn't tempt anybody. Well, if you read James chapter 1, this is how I think it goes. At the start, he's talking about trials, right? And he basically says that God is the one who brings trials into your life, right? He ordains trials in your lives. Now, what comes with trials? Temptations, right? When, when you go through a trial, you get tempted. I mean, especially during a time of trial. So here's how I think the logic works. And this might be something else that we're not really in tune with in terms of how we think about it. Like, the logic is this. God brings the trial. Trials come with temptations. God must be tempting me. Or God's responsible for the temptation then, right? We well, see that's... The conclusion of that logic is where it breaks down. Yes, God brings trials. Yes, trials bring temptations. But God is not tempting you, at least not in terms of evil. He is testing you. And by the way, it's interesting in James 1, the same Greek word is used for trial and tempt. Test and tempt. Same Greek word. So what you have to do is you have to look at that and you say, okay, yes, God works this way in my life, but God's intentions are not to destroy me, (laughs) right? God's intentions are to save me. It's not to hurt me, it's to help me. There is a verse for this, and it we got it on a wall at the house, and you need it on a wall at your house. I love this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Do you believe that? Come on, be honest. You think God's for you? Do you really think he's for you? Do you think that what you're going through right now is intended for your good and your benefit. Do you believe that? Or do you secretly believe somehow in the depth of your heart that God can't be for you? If he was for you, then he wouldn't do A, B, C, D, E, right? So again, subtly, subtly, we might profess something with our mouth, but in our hearts... We're not so sure. Listen, what James is saying here is his divine nature will not even allow him to tempt someone in that way. If God is testing you, tempting you, it's for the good. If you love him, he is for you. He's not against you. That is the gospel. That's the gospel message. And you got to press into that truth every day because you've got all these temptations that come your way that want you to believe otherwise. Which, by the way, back to this chronic form of temptation, 
I believe it started in the garden. We've already alluded to that. Genesis chapter 3. Let's look at that verse. I don't know. If, yeah, you might have to skip a slide, Tammy. Genesis 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden. Now, what's going on there? What's the nature of that temptation? What's happening? Yes, all those are good answers. Uh, what's happening? That's right. So, the character of God is being called into question. Do you see that? The goodness of God... Did, did, so he's suggesting something, in other words, in the question. Did, did he really say that? And he goes on to say, listen, God knows that when you eat of that tree, you're going to see the world as he sees it. In other words, you're going to be on his level. So he's depriving you. He's withholding you from what's best for you. In essence, you know what you need to do? You kind of need to carve out a path for yourself. Just come go with me. My way is better. Listen, that, that particular temptation is associated with something that we talk about all the time in the New Testament. Unbelief. Unbelief. That's where we get our sin nature. That, that's where it started, Genesis chapter 3. And so now, guess what we struggle with? We're born with that sin nature, and we come into the world disbelieving God. We come into this world as unbelievers. We, we don't believe the goodness of God to us. We don't believe that he's good, and so we keep our distance. That is the fundamental belief beneath all temptation. I can't believe I was just that reductionistic. Like, but it is. Like, you think about it. Beneath every temptation or behind every temptation is unbelief. Because, here's the flip side of it, if you really believed God was all you needed, right? If you really believed that he would provide whatever you needed in life, then why would you ever submit to a temptation that takes you away from him? How about the 23rd Psalm? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Do you, do you believe he's your shepherd? Do you believe that you can cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you? Do you believe he's going to take you up in his arms like a little sheep and he's going to shepherd your life? He's going to care. For, do you believe that? Or do you believe that he's withholding something from you? Do you believe that he doesn't have your best interest in mind? Because if he did, your life wouldn't be going the way it is. 
That's how temptation works chronically. So I got to believe. Now, now, you know this pr probably about um, how chronic illnesses work. If you have a chronic illness, then that can flare up from time to time, right? Like you can have an acute bout of whatever that's related to your ongoing underneath chronic illness. And so that's how I think temptation primarily works. I think there's this, there's this condition that we have, this sinful condition that, you know, tends to, you know, the songwriter says that I'm prone to wander, I'm prone to stray. It tends to drive us away from God. We get tempted and we go, yep, that looks better. And so we've been, we've been lured We've been enticed away from our great God, away from the gospel with all those wonderful promises that are laid out for us, all those truths that we leave on the porch in the Amazon box, right? How many of you do that? Like, do you leave those boxes on the porch that, you know, that Amazon brings you? I mean, come on, confess, all of you. Multiple Amazon boxes every day, probably. No, you take those boxes in and you open them up, don't you? And then you start to enjoy what's inside. We've got all these wonderful promises inside the gospel. And if we would just open them up and begin to enjoy them and step into them and begin to get satisfied by what God has given us, then we'd find a fullness rising up within us and kind of taking us over so that our condition is, is changing, so that the healing is already starting, right? And then I think our acute choices would be different. Then I think the acute choices change because something essential, something substantial happens in us as we move closer to God through the gospel. You know, you got to believe the gospel. You just have to. <laughs> have you ever tried to tame a wild animal? How did that go? <laughs> I remember one time when I was a little boy, I caught this small raccoon. Not small enough. <laughs> and I kept him in, in a little cage for quite some time trying to tame him, come out and bring him food, and he just would not come along. I'm like, what's wrong with you? I'm friendly. I just want to be your friend. I just want to enjoy some time with you. I just want to like take you up and pet you and cuddle and stuff. Can't you see that? Finally, he got out and escaped. <laughs> but like, we're like that, you know? We're like wild animals when it comes to God. And God's like, I've got everything you need. Just come close. But in our minds, we don't understand the gospel. We don't get those promises. We don't lean into them. And so we're like, no, I'm kind of afraid of you. I'm not going to get close. I'm afraid of what you might do to me. But we've got tons of scripture saying, just come to me. Just come. I've made a way. You don't have to be perfect. Guess what? Jesus, he's perfect. And you're united to him. Just come in him. Just, like, let him be your, your covering. Just come in Jesus. It's okay. 
You see why that's so important? Because until we do that, we're not, we're not stopping. We're not putting a dent in, I should say, temptation. We're just not. Like, we'll get tempted. That thing over there appears more appealing than God himself. And so because we've got pain that needs to be dealt with, we go for that pleasure. So that's how temptation, and by the way, the word there uh, where, where James says that we're lured and enticed by our own desire, uh, that's a sing- that, the, the word desire is singular. So he's talking about that central desire that we have in keeping with our sin nature to stray from God and to, to go about life our own way which leads to destruction. Now, he's, he also, like sin, it is in keeping with that desire, and then when it conceives, like, so at some point during the temptation, there's a decision that's made, yep, that's what I'm going to do, and then you begin to pursue that, and ultimately that leads to death. It leads to destruction. Oh, that, like... As a parent, if you ever, like, talk to your teenage kids and, and you've said something similar, and like, listen, listen, I tell you from the Word of God and I tell you from personal experience, do not give in to temptation. Do not believe the lie. Don't go down that path because it's going to lead to death. And you're just looking at them. You're going, please, somehow, let this get in your head and let it take control of you because it's true. It leads to death. Now, I'm wrapping up here. James did did not say, he didn't say something about the other source of temptation here. But you you know from the rest of Scripture that there is a tempter, right? You you know that. And um, here's what I think about that. I, I think that you really don't need the devil Uh, to lead you down that path. You can do it all by yourself, in other words. But I believe the devil's in the details. And I I believe he takes advantage of every opportunity. Now, he's he's not Jesus. He can't be everywhere. But, of course, he does have cohorts, and they're very well organized according to Scripture. There's powers and principalities in heavenly places. There's demonic um, presences. Demonic spirits. So anyway, the the devil can certainly add to it. And trust me, the Bible says he's a deceiver. He's the father of lies. And he must be one incredible liar because Adam and Eve in the garden, they didn't have what you and I have. They didn't have an internal bent towards sin. They didn't have that. So how crafty was he? Right? He's working with nothing, in other words. It's all external, but he's able to convince them to go against God. Martin Luther said in A Mighty Fortress, his, his craft and power are great, and, and we are no match for him. But here, here's the, like, the crazy thing. 
you know what he wants to do? Jesus says that, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And you think of the most vile person you've ever met or ever heard about through the news on this earth. And you're like, what in the world are you? How could you do what you did? Like, you know where that came from, right? The inspiration of Satan. So what does that make him? Satan himself. He, he intends no good for you. If God's plan is not to harm you, but to prosper you and give you a future, his plan is to harm you and take away any future you ever hoped of having and to do that eternally. So it, the temptation might look good initially. It might look so innocent. But the end is death. I'm so thankful that on the other hand, we have a redeemer. We have a champion. We have a victorious Lord. You know, 1 Corinthians 10 says that when you're tempted, God has made a way of escape for you. So in other words, you don't have to succumb. There's a way out. There is a way out. You could never doubt that. You might think you don't have a way out, but you do. So keep that in mind. And, and by the way, Jesus is the one who has made the way for you to get out of that temptation. But how about this? How many of you here have ever succumbed to temptation? Okay, we got about three or four liars in here. <laughs> Which leads me to another sermon, so just sit tight. What do you, wh what now, right? How about this verse? That's the last one, Hebrews chapter 4. Since then we have a high priest, great high priest, who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Please bow your heads. I want you in this moment to just be honest before the Lord. I know it's very possible that there's some of you that are in that acute place when, when you're feeling uh, that tug towards sin ever so severely. And you might think that in your temptation, you can't go to God. But this passage says otherwise. This is an invitation 
Come before him that you might receive grace and mercy in your time of need. And then you might be somebody who just gave in to temptation and, and you're loaded down with guilt and condemnation. And really what that's going to do is it's just going to lead you deeper into sin. For, for surely now God won't receive you. But you have a great high priest who can sympathize with your weaknesses. And he's here ready to offer forgiveness. He's here ready to heal you. He's here ready to repair your relationship with God, your father. And he's ready to supply all that you need so that you might be satisfied in him, so that you don't have to seek out satisfaction in this world and the things that this world dangle in front of you. So confess right now to the Lord. Go ahead, right there where you are. Just, just confess to him where you're at. And if you've sinned, ask God to forgive you. And know that according to this verse, there's abundant grace that he offers, that he gives indeed to you right now. And that's favor. Grace is favor. And he says, come near me. Come close. Come close. Let me love you. Be satisfied in him today. You might have walked in here bound and burdened, but you can walk out free. So unload that burden. Father, we thank you that there is no limit to your forgiveness. There is no limit to your help. There's no limit to your healing. And truly we pray that you would heal us. Heal us. And make us satisfied in you through Christ. May we open up the box. May we open up your gift to us and truly enjoy it so that we want no more. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Uh, uh, one of the other songs in the beginning talked about uh, home, you know, and um, this song as well. We're not home. You know, we're like, we're just pilgrims. We're just passing through. And there's many temptations that, that try and keep us from getting home. I think of uh, John Bunyan's Pilgrim Progress, or Pilgrim's Pro Progress, where Christian was tempted in so many ways, but he finally made it home. And the joy that we have is knowing that no, no power whatsoever can pluck us from his hand. Look to him. Look to him. I want to leave you with uh, something I refer to in the sermon as a benediction. Uh, but before I do, I just want to say that uh, Dylan Kozinski has been um, accosted by us. Uh, no, he's been invited to be a deacon here. And uh, we, uh, you know, we just surveyed Dylan's... Uh, life and, and his time with us, and he's proven to be a faithful brother in our eyes, and uh, we're happy to invite him to, to join um, the other deacons who are already serving. So 
What we do here is uh, because, you know, we, we want to make sure that uh, he is truly of good reputation. We, we believe that he is. But we, we, for two weeks, allow you um, as a congregation to approach Dylan or approach us with anything that you might be concerned with in regards to Dylan and uh, his life. Of course, you guys know Amber as well, and um, they have three children, I believe. Any more since I talked to you last? Okay. Okay. But uh, so anyway, Dylan is right here. Wave, Dylan, in case you don't know him. Uh, but in two weeks, if, if there's no objection, we'll bring him on as a deacon. Um, so here's, here's the... Here's the uh, benediction, and and I'm going to personalize it for you. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. He makes you lie down in green pastures. He leads you beside still waters. He restores your soul. He leads you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil because he is with you. His rod and his staff comfort you. He prepares prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He anoints your head with oil. Your cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Receive those awesome words and go with them. May they encourage you. Have a great day. And we'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for listening to today's message. We hope you were encouraged, and we'd like to personally invite you to attend one of our services here at Cross Point Church. We meet every Sunday at 11,000 West Oklahoma Avenue in the great city of West Dallas. Our people are warm and welcoming, and we're all learning what it means to follow Jesus together. You can learn more about us at crosspointwestdallas.com, where you'll find more episodes of our podcast. You can watch past services on our YouTube channel, and we live stream every Sunday at 10 a.m. Until then, thank you for listening to Crosspoint Church.